Thank you. Thank you, Reverend Kussner. It's good to be here this morning. The Lord be with you. I uh, want to just say that Reverend Kussner has had a, a huge impact on my life, as well as many of the people in CMI. I got started with CMI, actually, the way of uh, my father. And I have early memories of Bishop Pano. I'm going to shoot you straight. One of my first memories of Bishop Pano was being a 13, 14-year-old and being one of the few people at camp. You guys remember Camp Oak Hill, uh, who could play hymns. And so I would be called when Bishop would come up, because he would always sing Blessed Assurance, and he would sing these hymns. And uh, here's the great part about Bishop Pano, was the great part, thank you, Bishop, uh, is that he would slide me $200 uh, <laughs> in a very Italian way. Um, <laughs> after three or four nights of that, he would come up to me and he'd shake my hand and there'd be some bills in, the, in that hand. And I would say, you know, for a 14-year-old at camp, I mean, good grief, Bishop, I'll learn all the hymns you want me to learn. <laughs> It's awesome. Speaking of, will you join me in one this morning? Listening to doxology, and, and what I love about the doxology, doxology is that it's real short, and we can harmonize on it. So if you'll sing it with me, praise God from. And let's sing the Amen at the end. Here we go. Amen. Amen. Can we put our hands together and give God praise this morning? I want to speak to you this morning real briefly, and I wrestled with the subject that uh, I know that our, our, our theme this week has been Show Me Your Glory. And I just want to talk to you this morning off the subject of the glory of the ordinary. The glory of the ordinary. I want to tell you a story, a funny story. I'm Pentecostal, and there's a difference, right, between Pentecostal and charismatic. And I uh, grew up Pentecostal, rooted in classical Pentecostalism. And one of the things that I love to do is laugh about the funny stories that Pentecostals have. And one true story account that I heard was there was a Pentecostal preacher, and he was in the middle of his sermon, and, you know, they had a very lively uh, in, uh, service that morning. And he's preaching and he says, brothers and sisters, ladies and gentlemen, I have never seen anything like this before. But the Shekinah glory is in the house. And he looked up and above the ceiling, there was just this fog floating above the people. And it turned out that the Burger King across the street had caught on fire. <laughs> but to him, it was a Shekinah glory. And it's funny, but I do believe that much of what we call glory is not. It's a veiled exchange. It's an old trick of Moses. Right? When the glory starts to fade, we manufacture it. And we cover our face. Because we're too afraid of fading glory. And we know that it's a human tendency, as we read in Romans, to exchange glory. 
We like to exchange glory for these images that we create. So it's important that we define what glory is. And, and I, I want to speak to you within this context of what is glory. Glory in the Greek doxa, the condition of being bright or shining, brightness, splendor, radiance, specifically of, and this is important, specifically of humans involved in a transcendent circumstance and vice versa, transcendent involved in ordinary human circumstances. And it's important that we establish this framework. The doxa is where the metaphysical infuses itself with the physical, the transcendent with the tangible, the spiritual within the somatic, the extraordinary within the ordinary. That's glory. Not Burger King on fire, smoke above the ceiling. But when the transcendent infuses itself with the tangible, when the extraordinary is manifested in the ordinary. And my favorite verse about glory, turn with me to John 1. This is my home base. John 1, verse 10 through 14, it says this. He was in the world, and the world came into being through him. Yet the world did not, see this is the thing about glory. The world did not know him. Verse 11, he came to what was his own, and his own people did not accept him. That's the thing about glory. But to all, and I want to emphasize all, who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God, who were born not of blood or of the will of the flesh or of the will of man, but of God. 14 is, is what really drives it home. And the word became, say it with me, flesh, and lived among us ordinary people. And we have seen, if you have another translation, we have beheld. Show me your glory, God. He says, okay. The word became flesh. And we have seen his glory, the glory as of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The world missed it and his own missed it. The irreligious and the religious, the seasoned and those who were foreign from the idea of glory. Those inside missed it. Those outside missed it. They missed it because they couldn't see glory in the ordinary. And please allow me to make a strong statement. Feel free to say amen if, if any of this resonates. But please allow me to make this strong statement, a statement that I believe in wholeheartedly. Jesus is the supreme revelation of God's glory. The supreme. The ultimate expression of God's glory is the incarnation. The word made flesh. And we know from what John is telling us here that it's easy to miss. We, like Moses, desire to see God's glory, but the question isn't if he's revealing it. The question is, are we perceiving it? I want to talk about my children. They've been running around here all week. 
And it wasn't until I had kids that I was awakened and I remembered that kids see the glory in everything. They see glory in everything. Maudie will, she did it yesterday. She was outside playing and she'll come up to me and she will hand me the most pathetic dandelion that you will ever see. This dandelion was ragged, ratchet. Looked like someone had ran over it. But she handed it to me with a big smile on her face because she saw glory in it. John Luke is almost reverently amazed by everything. Magnets, amazing. My old matchbox cars, amazing. He is mostly amazed by television infomercials. And he has a gift for remembering the slogans of household cleaning products. And he'll come up to me and he'll say things like this, Dad, did you know that OxyClean will get your whites three shades brighter? <laughs> I didn't know that, son. That's awesome. Children see glory. They see it. They, my kids even see glory in our garden. I walk past it every day. To me, it's pathetic. If you have a green thumb, you would see, if you saw my garden, you would say it's pathetic. But my kids are amazed that what started as a seed is now a tomato. And they see glory in it. And we can say, oh, that's cute, they're kids. You know, we, always, we have that adage where we say, when you get them a really nice present for Christmas, and then everyone gets on Facebook and they post pictures and they say, all they want to do is play with the... They see the glory in something that we call ordinary. And we can say, oh, they're kids, that's cute, but they're just kids. But you know what I'm realizing? It's not something that they're generating. It's something that they're perceiving. It's not that they're fabricating something that I'm not. It's that they're seeing something that I can't. And there within lies the power of the doxa. It's a perceived thing. It's perception. Glory is perception. It's perception. The ultimate glory of God is revealed in Christ. It's not one of primarily spectacle and sensation, but one of ordinary interlaced with the divine. And the text doesn't say this. I mean, imagine this with me if the text said, and the word shocked the world with a divine fireworks spectacular grabbing the attention of all media outlets from Jerusalem to Bethlehem in a sensational display from high up on the temple. No, that's the devil's temptation. That's what the devil wants, is for us to be addicted to the spectacle. Instead, what do we see? He made himself, in Philippians, what does it say? He made himself nothing, ordinary, by taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. Very ordinary. This word became flesh. He got low. He dwelt among us. And this was too ordinary for Greek dualism. The Gnostics. Way too ordinary for the Gnostics. That's why John is a... A rebuttal 
He's retelling Genesis right in the beginning, John 1. He's reshaping Genesis, but it's a rebuttal against Gnosticism. The Greeks couldn't get this idea that glory could inhabit flesh. That glory could be within the ordinary. They couldn't understand that. It's too much for them. Matter is fallen, according to Gnosticism. This material world is corrupt. The ordinary is defiled. God is transcendent and ethereal like upward ascending embers. But he would never put on flesh. The word became flesh. And if you can perceive it, you can behold his glory. You see, I believe that my kids are right. I do. Now I do. I believe that there is something about that tomato. It is amazing. The tomato is amazing. Marty, this is a ratchet dandelion, but you're right. It's special. It's special. There is something there. You know why? Because my children are just echoing the sentiments of Isaiah's angel. What did the angel say? The seraphim. The whole earth. They're right. My kids are right. The psalmist picks up on this idea and says the whole earth, the whole world is full of his glory. The difference is between my kids and, and myself is that they can see it and I can't. I'm going somewhere with this. And this is just one big setup. And of course it is. Of course the world is filled with his glory, filled with his glory. But the ultimate expression of his glory was when the word was made flesh. The question is not whether he is glorious. The question is, can we see his glory or do we need to add more and more and more spectacle? Are we addicted to the spectacle, the spectacular? You see, the older you get, and this is the dangerous thing, the more spectacle you need to be impressed. You know, watching old films and old TV shows. My mother tells me that when she was a kid, there was a show called Lost in Space. She says that when this show came out, people were amazed. I went on YouTube. And I watched it. I saw no glory. But I'm the perception, right? And I think about the fact when I was a child, my mother got me these VHS tapes, and one of them was the film King Kong. And I'm talking about the old one. Claymation. And when I was a child, I would sit in front of that cathode ray tube and I would watch these images on the screen, and I was amazed. But the older I got, technology increased, and then I lost the glory. It wasn't that the glory was there, or wasn't there, but it was that I lost my ability to perceive it. But now I have a son, and I'm showing him the movies that I grew up with. Flight of the Navigator, <laughs> 80s films. And when I show him these movies, he's amazed. 
Now, to me, I just, you know, Star Wars and Star Trek and all these sci-fi films, I love them. But when I show him my films, he's amazed. And these are old movies that, to me, there's no glory in it. But when he watches it, his mind is just, just blown away by these old films. John Luke loves my old movies. So let me just give you some takeaways as I <clears throat> bring this around here. And, and I, I want to finally bring it back to us here. So what does this mean to us? As a charismatic, evangelical, sacramental, Pentecostal pastor, why I, I am concerned with this is because if we don't know how to find the glory in the ordinary, we will get burned out on ministry so fast. Let me say it one more time. If we don't learn how to find glory in the ordinary, you and I, as ministers, we will get burned out so quickly. We will. We will get burned out on ministry so fast because we will chase spectacle after spectacle, production after production, light show after light show, sound check after sound check. We will exhaust our emotions and our finances. Meanwhile... God in the form of the glory of Christ is all around us, but we're trying to generate glory instead of just perceiving it. God's glory is present. We're just not seeing it. You know, here's, here's the takeaway. Many Sundays will be ordinary Sundays. They will. They'll be ordinary. Ordinary singing. The good singer won't be there in church. <laughs> The praise scene will just be kind of little, uh, they'll just be a little bit off, just a little bit. You don't know the words. You have to turn around and look at the screen. It, it'll be ordinary. The preaching will be ordinary. And if we are addicted to spectacle, we will miss out. And we'll say that dandelion's ragged. And we'll say that tomato's not special. And we'll deny God's glory in the ordinary. Hmm. But it's a glorious Sunday nonetheless. You want to know how I know this? We have to ask some very important theological basic questions. Did we gather? Did we become the church? Did we pray? Did we preach the word? Did we declare the lordship of the resurrected Christ? Was confession made? Was reconciliation offered? Was the Eucharist celebrated? Did we sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs? If the answer is yes then God's glory was present. It's when two, two or three ordinary saints are gathered together in an ordinary building in his name where we see a microcosm of the word made flesh. To emphasize the sensational aspect of glory and diminish... I extracted this idea off of what Carson was writing about glory. To emphasize the sensational aspect of glory and diminish the ordinary aspect of glory, the glory that lives among us, there's the ordinary, right? Who came and dwelt among us. To emphasize this and diminish the ordinary aspect of glory, but to emphasize the sensational, is to adopt the same sort of dualistic thinking that destroys our ability to perceive glory. So we have to get away from this. Uh, not, <clears throat> I really do believe that, that God wants to show up in powerful ways, folks. I'm, like I said, I'm Pentecostal. I believe it. I believe it. But what we are not to do, a wicked generation seeks. Yeah. 
That was a critique. You, you have to realize Jesus did these things, but they were sprinkled in and out of ordinary life. So I think I'm done. I think you got the idea, right? That there's glory in the ordinary. The word became flesh. You know, no one has ever seen God. It is God's uh, uh, son who, who reveals this to us. He's made him known. And I love what Hebrew says. The son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. He's the very image of the invisible God. The word became flesh. God's ultimate expression of his glory is in his son, Jesus Christ. Find the beauty in the dandelion. Find the glory in the tomato. Find the glory of the box. Find the glory of lost in space. Find the glory of every Sunday. Find the glory of every Wednesday. Find the glory of when Sunday didn't go as you think it ought to have gone because you're so addicted to spectacle. But if you can just look, you'll see that his glory is there because the whole earth is indeed full of his glory.